Welcome back to the Bell News Podcast. I'm Fred Dreyer, Editor-in-Chief of Velo News, coming to you from the bowels of the Velo News World Headquarters here in Boulder, Colorado. I'm not going to lie to you all. Uh, my eyes are still a little misty from saying goodbye to Spencer Paulison on last week's episode. Again, Spencer, huge asset to Velo News. We are going to miss him dearly. Now, in the coming weeks, we're going to have a new format on the old Velo News podcast. I'll probably be linking up with Andy Hood over the Giro a few times to get some reports over there. We're also going to have lots of special guests, co-hosts, and all-around fun people stop by to hang out and uh, do the do the podcast. This week is going to be one of those weeks. I have a couple of special guests who stopped by. The first is Sepp Kuss, who came by just the day before he uh, took off to go to the Giro d'Italia. And the second is Kasia Nui-Adoma, who's in town after her awesome spring classics campaign, saw her win Amstel Gold Race. Um, she's in town getting ready for the uh, Amgen Tour of California. So we're going to hear from Sepp and then Kasha. The Kasha interview, you know, you don't want to hear me drone on and on and on. I boiled it down to her answers. She's talking all about her memories from the race, what it meant to win, just the difference in dynamics of the Women's World Tour. Um, I botched my end of the audio, too, so we're not going to hear anything from me. But we're going to hear from Sepp and Kasha. And I'm off to the Tour of California here in a couple days, so my next reports for you all are going to be coming from the Tour of California, and we're just going to have fun. We're going to think outside the box. We're going to try new things out with the podcast, so please come along for the journey. Let's catch up with Sepp Kuss. I'm sitting across the table right now from Sepp Kuss. Sepp has uh, joined me here on a Saturday. Uh, it's a nice Saturday outside, but Sepp... Why, why are you here on a Saturday? What, what's going on here? Yeah, sorry to coop you up on a beautiful uh, spring spring day in Boulder. But uh, yeah, just uh, you know, soaking in my last bit of Colorado time, last bit of Boulder time before I head off to uh, Italy for the Giro. So big, uh, big surprise for me the last few days. Yeah. But uh, yeah, pretty excited. Your schedule changed abruptly. And so it was like, hey, we got to do this thing now or else there's no California because um, you may have seen the headlines that um, Sepp is riding the Giro. You were slated to race Tour California and then your teammate, Robert Hessink, unfortunately crashed and it was injured and you got the call up. So, I mean, for, take me through this phone call. Like, what, <laughs> When was it and what was it like? Well, uh, I think it was... The day, the day that Robert crashed, I was riding with George, who's also in Boulder with me training. And, uh, and so we were talking about, oh, yeah, it's a shame Robert crashed. Um, and then George is like, well, you'll, you'll probably be doing the Giro then, Seth. I said, no way. They're not going to put me in. He said, I don't know, man. I think, uh, I think you might be doing the Giro. And then, uh, yeah, so then I went to bed that night, and I wake up to a couple WhatsApp messages from the – uh, trainer, some directors, they said, Hey, uh, you know, call us right away. I thought, Oh, I guess that, uh, is an indication of something. Interesting. So, so you yeah. get on the call. Let's okay. So let's, we'll play this. Let's say I'm Eddie angles. I'm your uh, director. <laughs> uh, Sep, uh, uh, you saw the bad news about, uh, Robert. Uh, so I have a question. Are you fit enough to do the Giro? <laughs> I mean, I actually, I don't know if it was, much of a question because from from what I understand they they'd talked about it quite a bit you know and then they yeah are pretty good about uh, meeting about those sort of things yeah. so 
they had pretty much come to the conclusion that that I was the the guy based on, uh, yeah, I'd been at altitude. Um, you know, my my skill set was was right for you know a guy to replace Robert. Not that I can, you know, he's a big big engine and everything. But uh, yeah, hopefully I can come close to filling in for him. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, they said you're you're going to the Giro. <laughs> well, that's exciting. I I wonder if. Is it bittersweet at all? I mean, you had this tremendous breakout season in the World Tour last year, winning the Tour of Utah and playing a really crucial role at the Vuelta España. And I have to imagine that coming into this year's Tour of California with that big climb up to Baldi, were you thinking at all that you could win the overall at the Tour of California? Yeah, maybe. I think, you know, it... Going into the season, California was was probably a goal for the the team and myself. But uh, yeah, I think I think at this point, you know, if I'm thinking long term, it's it's going to be better for me to do do a race like the Giro opposed to a race like California because this this year isn't necessarily a year where I personally where I need to get like a, a big result. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah, it'd be great to. To, to do a good ride at California, but uh, you know, if, if I'm thinking longer term, I think you know the, the Giro is going to serve me a lot better, and I'm going to learn a ton more yeah. from it, especially going there with uh, you know one of the hot favorites in Primos. So um, yeah, I think you know it's uh, maybe not not necessarily a missed opportunity missing out on California, but. But yeah, like you said, it's it's all at California. It's more or less all on Baldy, and that's that's the day. And in the Giro, there's three weeks of uh, opportunities of, of learning, of you know, figuring out this whole uh, <laughs> bike racing thing. So, so never really even a question. It's just sort of a you know, a team is telling you what you need to do, and you are saying, yeah, awesome, jumping at it, let's go for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think initially. There was for me. There was no sense of disappointment on the California side. It was more a sense of, oh shit, it's the Giro. That's a hard race, and I hope I'm um, ready to be able to to help out when we have a super super leader. Mm-hmm. Um, so just kind of uh, mentally stepping up to the plate for that. You brought up a couple interesting things, um, points there that I, I want us to explore a little bit. The first is the topic of um, racing schedules that change very quickly. Uh, something that I've heard from over the years from Americans in their first few years in the world tour is how different it is from racing in North America. In North America, by and large, you have your racing schedule planned out for much of the year. You have plenty of training time to get ready for these races. And every now and again, it may deviate due to sickness, injury, something like that. But it's not like in the world tour when you are a first or second year rider and sure, you kind of have a tentative schedule planned out for you, but you are 
you are the, the whims of the team come first. And so I remember talking to some of these other writers about, you know, hey, I was thought I was going to be doing X, Y, and Z, and then injuries, sickness, whatever, I'm doing A, B, and C instead. And yeah, you know, I was pretty fit, but hadn't really been getting ready for that race. And, you know, I, I've heard it create levels of frustration for riders. I've heard some riders complain that, you know, sometimes they felt like they weren't ever really able to go into a lot of these races firing guns a-blazing. I'm curious, you know, it sounds like this is not that type of situation for you because you were building for the Tour of California as is. But I'm curious about that, just this conversation around this as a whole. Have you heard that? Is that something you were wary of before you went into the World Tour? And how have you overcome that dynamic with Yumbo Visma? Yeah, I think uh, with our team, it's almost the opposite, in fact, of a lot of guys. Um, I mean, that's one of the main reasons I came to the team because it's pretty, um, you know, they, they make a schedule. And I'd say for most guys on the team, it's 90% pretty much on, on with that. So, um, and, you know, scheduling wise, we, this year, especially, we don't do many races outside of the world tour races. So pretty much for, for myself and a lot of guys, you know, you have, three, four weeks in between each race to, you know, you could, you could do an altitude camp in between. So, um, yeah, you have plenty of time to prepare. Um, so I, yeah, I, I have some friends on other teams and they're, they're all over the, you know, all over the place, Mm -hmm. like getting uh, a call up to a race, you know, less than 48 hours before kind of thing. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, with Yumbo Visma, it's been, yeah, what, what they say is usually, especially with the young riders, mm-hmm. um, yeah, pretty much 90% of the, in, the plan. In those conversations then that you're having with your DSs and your managers at the um, outset of the season, or maybe it's in training camps, when you're looking at the upcoming year, what are some of the factors that are going into um, your schedule. I mean, are you having, you're uh, no doubt having conversations with some of these people about, Hey, you know, here are the races we think are good for you here. are The, you know, rest dates, whatever, like what, what, what factors are factoring into your racing calendar? Um, I think from, from the team standpoint, how they decide on it first, they, they look at their, the, their main guys. So their, their GC guys or their, you know, um, guys for the classics and they, they make the schedule for them and then and then they go down the line the main support riders and then and then they go to the maybe the smaller races and then say which which riders get a free roll at those races so every every race well let's let's go back in in January when you get your schedule every race you have you say all right this race I'm in either green um red or yellow so you know every race that's on your calendar you know exactly what your role is for that race so you'll either be a leader uh, a helper or have a free role so it's pretty wait which colors coordinate uh, coordinate with uh, green is uh green is helper Uh red is leader Yellow is, is free roll, I believe. I th- I, I'm going to have to apply this to the Vela News staff yeah, now. We're yeah. going to have a, yeah. a editorial calendar in there, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with green, red, yeah. and yellow. Yeah. And so w- you're able to look at something like this and say, okay, you know, I can build through this. I can peak for that yeah. type of thing. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, for example, 
um, like a race like uh, Catalonia or Basque going into the season, they said, okay, you're going to have a free roll there. But, but leading into those races, I wasn't, you know, where, where I needed to be fitness wise. So then, you know, things change a little bit and they say, okay, you're, you're just going to be a helper mm -hmm. this race. Cause you know, you, you do what you can. Um, and then, you know, a, a race like California, that's, that's a race you're a leader for, you know, and you know that ahead of time. So yeah, you can prepare for those, those things and say, oh, if I, if I have a free roll for there, that gives you a bit more motivation to Interesting. You know, train, I guess. I need to, I'm going to have to like get my hands on <laughs> some spy shots, the Yumbo Visma calendar. <laughs> I just need to look at the uh, colors and I'll be good to yeah, go on it's that. It's very, very organized. <laughs> a lot of spreadsheets. <laughs> so then what has your preparation been like over these last few weeks? You know, you were getting ready for California. Now you're getting ready for the Giro, but what, what have you been up to? Um, yeah, just, you know, more, um, just kind of getting in some, some volume, more yep. volume, um, which, yeah, I think will probably, you know, hopefully serve me well for, for the Giro, just having a bit bigger, uh, you know, aerobic capacity for those, uh, yeah, monster <laughs> stages. Uh, some of those weeks, in the, stage yeah. in the third week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ow. So, uh, yeah, I, I can't say I've done many, uh, 200 plus K, uh, mountain stages. So, um, yeah, just, you know, making sure to be really, really efficient, um, just fit, but not, you know, it's not like the Volta where you need to be super, super sharp, ready to hit it from stage two or stage one with the uphill finish, you know, especially this Giro, it's pretty not tame, but it's, you know, flat in comparison to the, the, the third week. Yeah. What, what you'll see in the, the first and, uh, so, Sep, the other point that you brought up that I thought was really interesting that I, I want to talk to you about is this concept of, you know, you said you're not feeling a ton of pressure this year to get some crazy result. And that brings up a conversation that I've had with a lot of world tours, which is world tour writers, which is about, you know, the challenge of getting your second contract. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times, Young Americans, young, you know, first year world tour riders are signed to a two year contract. And in those two years, you are given opportunities to grow and progress. And, you know, the team wants to see progression. Yeah, they want to see some results, but like, you know, th they want to feel like at the end of those two years, the money and time that they've invested in you has gotten you to the point where you're ready to get your second world tour contract. And that's the hard one. Everyone says, well, you know what? Like, look at the number of guys who do one year or one contract, so two years, their first two years in the world tour, and they're not able to get that second contract. And it's a, it's a pretty long list. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with the success that you had last season with Utah, with the contributions at the Welta, I mean, is that factoring in to your thoughts around this season? You know, you know not feeling like a ton of, like, pressure or like, you know, you're staying up late at night because you have to pop some result to, to prove your worth to Yumbo Visma. Is that factoring into your mindset this year? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, you know, they've, you know, they're giving me the time, I think, to, uh, to develop and yeah, they've, they've seen what's, what's possible, but, you know, I, I still have a ton of, uh, learning to do and yeah, physically, uh, a lot of improvements to make. So, um, yeah, I, I think they've, 
yeah, they have a, a decent idea of what, what's possible um, already in that first year. So, um, you know, this year they're definitely giving me the time and, you know, a couple more opportunities, but it's not like they're – there's a lot of moments where I have to, you know, all of a sudden be in a leadership role or something. It's all pretty, uh, you know, attainable. So, and and I think, yeah, if, if you're uh, if you're a really good good supporter, support writer, that that can even indicate a bit more than than what you do when you're uh, when you're a leader. So, was that something you were wary about? This whole concept of the the second contract, the challenge of getting that second contract. Um, I was never worried about it, but uh, yeah, I mean, do you, for for me, I always, yeah, I always give my best in training. Um, I never have any, uh, yeah, re- regrets in in how I'm preparing for a race. So you know, what whatever happens, happens, um, and. Uh, yeah, I think you know when I when I give it my best, I can be um, not not in a complacent sense, but I can be you know relaxed about how I'm doing or what I'm doing. So, how did that Utah win resonate with management at Yumbo Visma? I mean, you know, we here in North America are very familiar with Utah, the climbs, the challenge, just how hard it is to win that race, and how you know, I mean, no one has ever won it in quite the fashion that you've won it. Do you feel like that was something that resonated with management? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, just that, you know, from, from the beginning of the season to that point, I had, I had improved dramatically. Um, and even, even before, like, uh, in, in the Dauphiné, I was, I was riding three times better than when I, you know, in a few months earlier. So just kind of out of nowhere. So, um, I think maybe maybe even the Dauphiné was more of a indicator than uh, than Utah, just because it's in Europe. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, if you if you look at it from like a, a numbers power numbers or something, yeah, it's a pretty good good indication Utah. But um, yeah, you you can't really look at those things in a, in a vacuum, I guess. So so yeah, different different racing circumstances than than Europe and everything, but. Um, yeah, I think some good, good confidence. So now, Sep, that leads me to uh, my next uh, line of questioning for you. Uh, you know, listeners to the podcast may be familiar with Sep Kusa's story of, you know, very talented endurance athlete from Durango, mountain biker, got on a road bike relatively late in the um, traditional sense of where world tour riders get on a road bike. Um, you had some great success early, went to rally cycling, um, got some experiences in Europe, and then um, got on Yumbo Visma. It's been, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things and the, you know, the story that we traditionally hear of riders who make their way to the world tour, it's been a pretty, pretty quick rise. You got started a little bit later than, um, with, with road racing than we tend to see. I just got back from the USA cycling development house where, you know, the concept over there is identify guys and gals when they're 15, 16, send them to Europe, get their head kicked in in Belgium and the Netherlands, have them learn the ebb and flow of the racing over there. And if they're talented, then at some point their their talent will really come to bear. They'll have the knowledge of how to race in these races, and they'll progress onward. Um, my question for you is, you know, your progression um, at these North American races caught the eye of these teams, but it, it sort of bypassed that step of 
send kid to Europe when he's 15 and get his head kicked in at, you know, junior Gent Wevelgem so he can learn positioning and learning spot within the peloton. How have you done that? How have you accomplished that? Just the concepts of like where to be in the peloton, how to navigate these narrow roads, positioning, all these things that we're told time and year, you know, time and time again that you have to do it a hundred times before you get it right. Why do you think you've been able to um, learn this very quickly and how have you done it? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, when you mentioned the positioning thing, I'm trying to think back to some of my first road races because that was, yeah, thinking about my, yeah, skills, road road bike positioning skills or just handling skills back then, it's it's almost uh, probably comical to, <laughs> to think about it. So, um, yeah, I think it's... Uh, it's it's hard sometimes because you can almost get away with really bad positioning if you just have a, a big engine. You know, you can you can do a, a bunch of stupid things and and get away with it depending mm-hmm. on the race in, in the U.S. Especially if you're super strong, you can be the worst position guy in the in the bunch and still win um, because it's it's just that kind of kind of racing. But uh, yeah, if I if I was Starting out at that point in in Europe, for example, I would be out out the back in uh, in no time. So, um, yeah, I think for me it was just a combination of of learning, like realizing that I I had, you know, the power, but also realizing that wow, I'm using a lot of a lot of energy that I could be saving to be maybe even a bit better in the end um, through the positioning. So that's that's still a struggle for me, but. Um, yeah, being a mountain biker, former mountain biker, certainly helps just from a, um, yeah, you're not scared of, of certain things or you, you know, you have those reaction, that reaction speed. But uh, yeah, it's, it's still an ongoing process for me. What do you remember about some of those early European races you did then with um, U.S. national team and with rally? Did you feel like the dynamics within this European peloton on the narrow roads? I mean, was it an eye-opening experience for you? Yeah, yeah, pretty eye-opening. And I mean, yeah, when you're when you're on a smaller team, it it compounds all those those factors too, because you just don't really get any any room, and you're always the first one to get pushed aside um and uh yeah you just have to learn to actually be aggressive um and yeah in the u.s you have a big big road to float around on um but yeah yeah that was pretty pretty eye-opening i think mostly just the physical level of of the race was the most eye-opening part just the you know how deep the the playing field was there in europe but uh but yeah then the positioning it's like if you don't have that, then you're, you can't get away with anything. So I've talked to other Americans who talk about being very frustrated in some of those first um, trips over there, knowing that they have the legs and the lungs and the, you know, the physical ability to do well over there, but they're being held back by these intangibles that, um, that just come with experience and, and, so, and, and having that kind of eat them up inside and, knock them out of the game mentally and emotionally. And at some point they throw their hands up and they're just like, you know, ah, this is, this is not fun. This, I'm not enjoying it, even though they're very fit. How did you overcome that? Yeah, I've definitely been in that, in that position. I mean, I, yeah, 
even now I'm still in that position quite a bit. Yeah, like it's it's frustrating when you can't get to the <laughs> the other side of the road where where uh, six of your other teammates are, and, um, or or be you know in the first twenty guys at the bottom of the climb where you know you have to be there, um, and and you just feel like everything's working against you sometimes. But uh, yeah, I mean it it doesn't come easy, and you just kind of have to keep keep chipping away. But um, yeah, it's 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 definitely frustrating is a good way to describe it because I've yeah in the in the Basque Country a couple of weeks ago I was out of position and I was super frustrated and and lost my focus and crashed so that's you know that's a <laughs> indication of that so yeah it's always a always a struggle interesting so do you feel like it ever do you ever feel like it holds you back in some of these races just the fact that you know you weren't doing this at age 12 you weren't doing this at age 15 going over to Europe and like learning every inch of every road in Belgium or whatever yeah I mean I think at a, a super high level race you know every every little bit matters and and the the you know how you're riding in the bunch is is a huge percentage of that of your final result so yeah you think oh here i could have done that differently da, da, da. but yeah it's <laughs> it's a lot to think about when you when you're looking back all the time so yeah for me i just try to try to forget it and, yeah think about the next, uh, next day. Well, the fact that you are progressing and that your team is sending you to the Giro and that you are getting these great results, Seb, I think is a testament to your ability to learn um, these things where, you know, like I said, conventional wisdom says you have to be doing this since you were a teenager. <laughs> you started in your, you know, mid, you know, early to mid twenties and you seem to be, you seem to be picking it up. Okay. You don't seem to be bashing your head against the wall. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> You know, sometimes it's one step forward, two steps backwards, two steps forward, one step backwards. It, it can it can always change, but uh, yeah, I think as long as you're progressing, it's uh, motivating. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it takes a while. So you went from being on this regional pro team, it was a Harley Davidson team, to um, rally. You were with the rally, I believe, three seasons. Two, two or three, two. two seasons, and then onto the world tour. You know, looking back at those two seasons with Rally, one as a continental, the other as a pro continental team. You know, when you really think about it, what did you learn? Like, how did you prog- Where did you really specifically progress in those two seasons with Rally? Yeah, I think I just learned how to, um, you know, ride as a as a team. Because um, because with Rally, a lot of the races we went to. In the U.S., we were kind of the the team, so you you know certain races you're either riding the front or you you have a bit more responsibility in the race, so it's even more important to be be together, um, you know, use all your teammates the best of their abilities and everything. So um, yeah, just that that teamwork aspect, and then on the other hand, also learning how to you know go for the win in races because. I was I was lucky enough to have a lot of opportunities there um, for myself or, or have um, you know be be in kind of a, a free role in certain races. So you you learn how to mentally switch on to all right, let's uh, let's let's win this this race. So um, I think that's super valuable too. 
you kind of develop that uh, that instinct, I guess. Yeah, I remember seeing you in those final pitches of Baldy in California two years ago and looking around, and it was all World Tour riders and Sepkus, and it was like, <laughs> oh, well, you know, that's a pretty that's a pretty big shining endorsement that Rally has, you know, protecting this guy, and that there you are, and yeah. uh, the final part of that race. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, you know, yeah, I think back on that and, and you think, well, that was pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, just other, other races too, you know, you have, yeah, opportunities where, where you, uh, yeah, are, are actually in the, the end of the race, which, um, you know, if you're on a, on a big team, especially in the world tour, sometimes you don't even see the, the end of the, or the front of the race at the end of the race. So, yeah. You know, Sepp, before I uh, get you out of here, I got to ask you some questions about uh, your teammate Primoz Roglic. So, yeah. you know, you're going to be going to the Giro to support Roglic. And uh, we've seen him win just a bunch of races this year. I was at the UAE Tour. He won that. He won Torino Adriatico. We, you know, we all know the story of him as, like, the ski jumper. But it's it's really tough to get a ton of personality at him. I out of him. I know he's very focused. He's very professional. English is not his first language, but I'm curious if you can shed some light on like the personality of Roglic. Like what kind of guy is he? Yeah, he's, uh, I, I think he's, yeah, really likable. Uh, yeah, really relaxed, which yeah, I can, um, identify with a bit, you know, he's not, uh, yeah, he's not the guy that's, uh, like making all the jokes at the dinner table, but he's, he's got a, a sense of humor, and, uh, yeah, I think, you know, I think he's also a bit humble. So maybe that's why he comes across as a bit reserved or, or focused. Um, but yeah, he's just a really humble guy and he has a lot of humility, um, you know, and he'll, he'll talk about all the, <laughs> the stupid things he's done or, or the, the times he's, he's suffered or, or yeah, some some stages you you get on the back on the bus with him and he's like, oh man, yeah, bad legs today, bad legs, <laughs> and you're like, what are you talking about, man? Like, <laughs> so uh, yeah, he's he's got a lot of humility. And you've been in some racing situations before where the pressure's really been on. He's been a race leader. He's been a race winner. I believe you were were you with Bass at Bass Country with him last year, mm-hmm. which he won. You know, I mean, how does he handle pressure? How does he function in some of these really high pressure situations? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like he really feels much pressure, but I think a lot of that is just because he's so freakishly strong that he he knows he can, you know, if it comes down to it, he can dig himself self out of a lot of situations or just just ride away from <laughs> from everybody. So, uh, yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, he just has that that confidence in himself, and, and and he knows that, you know, at the end of the day, he can he can get it done, and um, yeah, no excuses. Must so, be nice. Must yeah, be nice. Yeah, must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sep, uh, you know, you're off to the Giro here in a, a day or so. I mean, what are you hoping to get out of this Giro? Yeah, I'm hoping to uh, just go off of what I learned in the Vuelta last year, which is, yeah, namely just, uh, yeah, saving, saving enough energy for the, the moments that really matter. Um, just being really economical, I guess, you know, still, still being a, a helper in the stages that aren't necessarily the stages for me, but, but yeah, also just, 
looking for those opportunities to, um, yeah, not, not do, uh, like a stupid breakaway. That's gonna, you're going to be recovering up from for, for two days or, um, just things that, so you can really bring your, your best to the, the stages that actually matter. So, um, yeah, like last year in the Volta, the, the second and third week I was, yeah, barely alive. <laughs> so hopefully you can switch that around, uh, this year, the Giro. Yeah, I mean, you were barely alive, but I mean, it was because you put out some real energy on some of those early climbing stages yeah. to really, um, you know, put your teammates in a in a great position. Yeah. Um, I mean, is that something you're thinking about? Like, oh man, I I got. Are you trying hoping to pace yourself a little bit differently this year? Yeah, I think pay, well, not necessarily holding back, but just you know, if if you look back at all those those efforts, you see how how big of efforts they are. And, and yeah, if, if, if it's a race that, that lasts three weeks and you're not used to those, those kind of efforts repeatedly day in and day out, then it's gonna, you know, bite you in the end. So, um, yeah, I think just, just picking, picking my moments, um, you know, it's okay to lose <laughs> a couple minutes on the stages that, that you're out of contention for just ride it in super easy and save it for the next day. Um, because for me, it's not like I'm riding GC there or anything. So, um, yeah, mentally, just either going full focus for for a helper or, yeah, or nothing. So, green green race. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Sep, thanks so much for stopping by. We're gonna watch you throughout the Giro. Come come say hi to us after the Giro and uh, tell us some more stories. Yeah, sounds good. I'll bring some. Uh, Uh, definitely, I clearly remember this moment, which happened like 50 k's to go. Uh, we did Kauberg, and then at the top of the Kauberg, I was like, okay, I feel it. I'm going to win it. This day belongs to me. I felt super strong and just confident out of nothing, because I know that once we started the race, after 30 k's, there was this big action happening, and I felt terrible. You know, I was like, oh my goodness what I was thinking that I am strong or well prepared because I was suffering so hard and kind of I was ready to give up. But once I overcame this moment and we started to race again, I was like, okay, no, I have to do it. And I was just mentally ready and I wanted this victory super badly. I mean, I wanted, no one told me to win it or that this race suits me perfectly, but I just believed that, okay, I can do it. And yeah, you know, once you have belief, power, and like, I think there's this one secret about forgetting the pain. If you're focused on winning a race or just achieving your goal, you kind of, I don't know, forget about the pain and the suffering moment. And it's so much easier to push your boundaries. But it's also like, it's weird because it's very difficult to get to this state mindset, you know? Like, you rarely find it. And once I found it, I knew that I just have to use it. I just have to benefit out of it. Back no, no, no. Oh, she was coming up. No. What was going on then? Just the golden rule, never look back. Yeah. And I seriously, I never want to look back because I know that that would mentally crack me, perhaps. 
like seeing her chasing me and then you know okay anemic she's extremely strong she's gonna catch me she's gonna have me and to be honest i didn't know what was happening behind my back ever since i like reached the top of the cowberg i was like okay i just have to go to the finish line and i just have to do all my best to to cross the finish line as a first person and you know there was a tailwind so i could benefit from it i mean yeah i i was just super determined to win it i think that I think that once I crossed the finish line, I could not believe it. I was like, oh no, what did happen? Like, what's happening right now? Like, I did not want anyone to be around me. I don't know why, I was just exhausted. And then suddenly I had those cameras around me and people hugging me. And at that moment, I just wanted to kill everyone. <laughs> I was like, let me breathe because I was totally empty. And then slowly I started to realize that, oh my goodness, I want it. Like, I knew that I'm gonna win it and I did it so that gave me a lot of satisfaction and of course I it yeah it's it was kind of a weird spring for me because every single race I felt that I am strong mm -hmm. but somehow I I don't know I would lose it because of my I don't know my head or just like simple mistakes that I would make and finally everything was perfect and just like delivering this victory for my team and just like i don't know always when i win a race i'm happy about my family or people who helped me to achieve this goal because i'm like okay i proved that i can do it and it's all thanks to them